This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. He takes everybody off. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. What's up, 101 fans? I'm excited to welcome to the program James Henderson of InsidePackSports.com, your source for inside info of NC State Athletics. How are you, James? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Just like I said, enjoying this beautiful weather today. Did uh, Now, did you did you attend NC State or are you just a big fan? No, I did. You know, I attended NC State uh, from 98 to 2002. I was there kind of during the, the Phillip Rivers era. Uh, Chuck Amato era, and then I, I right after I graduated, I I got started covering NC State um, for for a different website. I was there for 15 years, and then I left to start Inside Pack Sports in 2017. So mm-hmm. essentially, man, this has been I've been kind of living a dream. You know, I've been covering covering my my uh, my the school I'm an alumni of full time. You know, since essentially graduating, I actually started at my final in my in my senior season and went right into it full time after graduating. So it's been great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's definitely living the dream, man. I can't think of a better scenario. And talking about those early NC State teams, man, I remember Rivers Air, but you know who I was a huge fan of uh TA McClendon. I remember oh, him yeah. I remember him coming in and just to a bunch of fanfare. I remember he was like a prep all American and and I remember him and Rivers both coming in as freshmen and just absolutely killing the ACC. And then you had Corn Robinson was there as well. That was that was such a fun time to be an NC State fan for sure. It was, and and like I said, I mean that's when I was a student. Was the same time um, of, of the guys you mentioned, and and yeah, I mean you kind of look back on those teams and some of the talent they had. I mean Philip Rivers is going to be a Hall of Famer. Corn Robinson was a top ten pick. Uh, T.A. McClendon came in. I think he had held several national high school records and right away was ACC Rookie of the Year. You know, I mean, I, I probably could have had a better overall career at NC State. I mean, he was so good. He just battled injuries. But, yeah, I mean, I think that time was was a lot of fun uh, to be a, to be following NC State, a student at NC State, and then obviously covering them as well. Heck, yeah, good times. Well, let's dive right on into the uh, 2020 NC State team. And kind of let's start with the elephant in the room. Uh, I wanted to address Dave Duran And, and yeah. you know, he's obviously built up some goodwill with a you know, couple nine-win seasons and eight-win season in his, in his time there. And obviously last year, a little blip on the radar at four and eight. But my question is, is, is does, he have, does he have the rope from the athletic department? Or 
is it kind of time to put up or shut up this year? Well, it's funny because I kind of wanted your opinion on it before I give you mine because, like, <laughs> I think he should, right? You know, yeah. like – and the reason I say that is is often – I don't know the perception of NC State's program overall, but if you go back and look at NC State football over the years, I mean, this is a program. They haven't won an ACC title since 1979. I mean, their career all-time record, their their 50, 51% win percentage. You know, they're 17 and 14 all-time in bowls. So this isn't a program that's like a, a Florida State or a Miami, et cetera. And it's just funny to me because I like give you an example. Compare him to Duke, who Duke won their last ACC championship uh, under Steve Spurrier in mm-hmm. 1990. They won a division title, I think, back in 2012, 2013. Wake won an ACC championship in tw- in 2006, I believe, with Jim Grove. Mm-hmm. So they've had more kind of title success recently than NC State. And you look at their programs, and like Dave Clawson and Dave Dorn, uh, excuse me, Dave Clawson and, and David Cutcliffe it seemed like they have the longest leash of anybody, right? I mean, like, no one ever is – I don't see anyone calling for David Cutcliffe, for instance, to be fired. And you go and look at his last four seasons at Duke. I mean, they went one and seven, three and five, three and five, three and five in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And is his seat hot? Like, I'm, I'm just asking. I don't think it is. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it is either, yeah. And, 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 you know, Dave Dorn has one down year. Yeah. And, again, I'm not saying that as a Dave Dorn fan. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. And it's like, should he be fired or not? And I, just, and, I, and I guess maybe it's the perception of the programs. I just don't necessarily think NC State's program is drastically different than a Wake or a Duke. That's, that's kind of why I wanted your opinion on it because, obviously, I, I cover NC State and went there, so maybe mine is a little jaded. No, I, I don't think it is. So at first, when I was doing my initial research, before I even dug into NC State, because I'm, I'm actually a Wake Forest fan, and yeah, Clawson's seat, Clawson seat is, is the opposite of hot, man. I think that guy could probably ask for a statue to be built at this point, and they'd build it right now um, with what he's done at Wake. But, you know, at first I was like, man, Duran's I, I would think he's on the hot seat. And I think it was just because they took such a dramatic step back last year right. from, from where they were with Ryan Finley and Jacoby Myers and all those guys uh, in the program. And then they took such a drastic step back. It just felt like they fell off a cliff. But then I started doing my research and I, and, and I really looked into it and I was like, man, you know, maybe he should be given a pass for that, for that season last year because they lost so much production on offense. I mean, you lost all world Ryan Finley. You lost Jacoby Myers. You lost your leading rusher. You lost another thousand-yard receiver on top of Jacoby Myers. Like, I mean, that's that's a ton, a ton of production to lose on offense, and to expect them to to bounce back and be a not eight, nine-win team the next year was just unrealistic. And I don't think it, I didn't really notice it until I started doing my research on the program this year. I'm like, well, okay, maybe maybe you know, lazy guy. Like like before I researched it, said like, hey, he should be on the hot seat, but. I personally, looking at what he's done, his tenure there, where he started to where he took the program up to 2018, I think he's bought himself some rope for sure. Well, and and, it's, and I love the fact that you cover Wake because that's – or you're a Wake fan because that's the one team I really think is interesting in all this. You know, if you look at if you look at Dave Clawson uh, and just kind of pulling up his numbers, and you're right, he's the opposite of hot, right? I mean, he's yeah. completely cool. I think Wake fans are worried he may go somewhere. Yeah. Um, he's 16-32 and 32 in the ACC at Wake mm-hmm. Forest. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's never won more than four conference games. His high his high win is four. You know, it's four and four, and his most wins at, at, overall are eight. 
And you compare that to Dave Dorn, he's got a six and two season in 2017 and a five and three season in 2018 in the ACC. Won nine games both of those years. He's 21 and 35, which look, that's not great, but that's better than Clawson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 47 and 42 overall at NC State. Clawson is 36 and 40 at Wake. And you're right. I mean, the perception is, is Dave Dorn on the hot seat? And the perception is, is Dave Clawson maybe getting a better job? And, yeah. and I'm not saying that as a knock on Wake Forest. I don't believe, I think Wake's a, I personally think Wake's a great job for the reasons we're sitting here talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if I was a, if I was a college coach, I'd want a job like Wake Forest where, man, if I win six, seven, eight games, I'm, I'm the opposite of hot. Yep. You know, I mean, how is that late? Why would that be labeled a bad job? I think that's a great job as a coach. Uh, and, and so, and, and, and kind of to give you another, another example is, I, you, you would notice what did Wake did Wake start seven and zero last year? They started really hot, right? What was it seven and zero, eight and zero? Yeah, we were we we were five and zero going into Louisville, and then we lost a shootout to Louisville, sixty two fifty nine, and we went five and one, and then I believe we went then went seven and one, and then just absolutely fell. I mean, we had a ton of in, we got hit by yeah, well, injury and, hard, and that's where I was going with it. They went seven and one, they were rolling, mm-hmm. and you lose Sage Surratt. Yep. Uh, Scotty Washington was banged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he lost Strenad right on defense. Yep. And now all all hell breaks loose. Yep. And you're lo- and you're not winning games. And that doesn't mean Dave Clawson isn't good as a coach, but like injuries and depth and all those things that factors in more. Than, and 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 the reason I say that is you're right. When you look at what NC State's lost the last two years. I think in 2017 and 2018, they had a combined, I want to say, eight, um, 13 NFL draft picks mm-hmm. and 18 All-ACC players, if I remember correctly, from those two seasons that are that left the program going into 2019. And I just don't think they're a program that's built to sustain that, you know. And, and a lot of people had NC State going into 2019, winning six or seven games overall, and that was with them having to – you know, they played three quarterbacks in 2019. I mean, yep. you're, you know, you're probably like me. I mean, very few teams are going to be good if you're playing three quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just not going to be good. And, and you, they, they had, I think they lost five starters, um, offense, five offensive starters in season. They lost prior to ACC play for the year. Oof. So you kind of compare that to Wake Forest, right? I mean, we just talked about how Wake took a dip when you started to lose guys. Well, State lost five starters from their season opener for the year prior to conference play. I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games. And so, I, I and I don't say that to mean I think Dave Dorn's the, the, the right guy or any – I mean, that's all for debate. I just think any coach in, in, in the ACC, you're going to struggle if you're losing – if you're changing quarterbacks and and you've got a lot of injuries. And, and I think that's kind of what NC State went through last year. But the good news – it, for NC State, is that it allowed them to play a lot of younger guys who they hope can, you know, maybe they can build on this year. I was just going to say the silver lining to all that is a lot of young kids got experience last yep. year. So coming into this year, you know, you're not ha- – and especially with with a off season as turbulent as this one's been, you know, having a bunch of kids coming back with experience, even, you know, maybe even depth guys, guys who aren't even starting this year because, you know, guys who were injured are coming back. You know, having that depth of experience is is great. Now – Kind of talking about the quarterbacks, you know, obviously they get a lion's share of the attention for most programs. What's the word out of NC State this year? Is Devin Leary the lead guy again? Is he is he kind of the favorite? Or do you think maybe someone like Ben Finley, a true freshman, can come in? Or uh, what, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's going to be Devin Leary. Uh, that's the expectation. And again, we're I, I'm assuming we're both saying this, assuming there's a season, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but I, I think it's it's going to be Devin Leary. You know, NC State saw enough from him. I think last year um, to to feel like he should be the guy going into the season. And I think there's a lot of un, there's a lot of confidence there, but behind in him. Because one of the things State did not do is they didn't pursue a grad transfer mm-hmm. uh, quarterback. You know, they could have thrown their hat into the ring for an Anthony Brown or, um, you know, any uh, Jake Sears, I think, is a guy who, who came to NC State looking to maybe be recruited by them as a grad transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Derek King, who ended up in Miami, they didn't pursue. I mean, they didn't really dabble into that market at all. And I think that spoke to the confidence they have in Leary. You know, I think the thing Leary battled was – you know, um, as a quarterback, you kind of want those those early season games, right, to build confidence, especially if you're a redshirt freshman. And he didn't get that. You know, he, he got thrust in. Uh, but, Lee, man, I want to say his first career start was at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, he got thrown into the second half against Boston College prior to the Wake game. And then he goes on the road. And, I mean, he's playing. I think Wake at that point was, I mean, you may know, 5-0. and oh. Maybe they, that was their 5-1 and one game. I, I can't remember. But they were really, you know, they were they were relatively healthy at that point. Um, and they were clicking on all cylinders. I mean, he just walked into a buzzsaw that, that, that weekend. And that was his first career start. And then he played out the rest of the season, started every game. But it, up to that point, like we talked about, I mean, he just didn't have everything stable around him to be successful. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just hard for uh, – any quarterback, or much less a redshirt freshman who you didn't get to play ECU at home. You didn't get to play Western Carolina. You know, you didn't get to play the Ball State game where you could get some of those reps against the the lower-tier teams to prepare you for conference play. You know, he just got kind of dropped right into it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, his first extended duty was at BC at Wake. Mm -hmm. And that's just not – you know, I mean, I I didn't think he was set up to be really successful. But I think State's hope is – he he was able to play out the rest of the season, so he started those final um, five conference games. He went in went into spring practice as the number one guy, was getting all of those reps as the number one guy. You get healthy around him, you bring back experience around him, you build his confidence up, and now you have him going into twenty twenty kind of on a clean slate as a mm-hmm. redshirt sophomore, who they feel like has a lot of upside. I mean, we're talking about a four star kid who. You know, he picked NC State over. I had offers from Penn State, Georgia, Miami. I mean, he was a highly regarded kid, an elite 11 player, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of arm talent. I mean, he's a guy who he wows you with some throws and, and makes some plays. It's just he needs to kind of build on it and gain confidence. And, and your hope is once that light clicks, you know, he'll, everything will be stable around him to where you can, kind of, you can kind of maximize his ability. Yeah, and like you said, looking at his first three games, you know, against BC, Wake, and then Clemson. And at the time when he played Wake, they, Wake was right 23rd in the nation. That was before yeah. we kind of got nicked up. So we were rolling at that point. And, and, and obviously you go in and play Clemson. That's just – you can't judge a, a, a redshirt freshman quarterback against Clemson. That's just not fair. So, yeah, he definitely had he definitely had the unfortunate circumstance of getting thrown into the fire really quickly. But you know what? You fire, fire hard and steal. So – you know, definitely it's good to hear that there's some optimism around him going into his sophomore year. And, and you know, he's going to be surrounded by a good group of running backs. You know, Bam Knight and Jordan Houston really looked good last year, and they're going to help out whoever's starting at quarterback. They're going to help them take some pressure off of it. What are the expectations of those guys heading into their sophomore year? You know, I think State's got some high expectations for them. Um, 
It's, it's interesting because with everything that was going on with NC State, offensively, defensively, et cetera, uh, you know, those two guys I thought were bright spots for him to come in as, as true freshmen. And um, I think per- exceed expectations. You know, you're talking about two guys who, I mean, there was just so much turmoil going around on around them. But, I mean, Bam Knight comes in as a true freshman. He averaged 5.5 yards mm-hmm. per carry, which I think was like eighth or ninth in the ACC. Jordan Houston was right behind him at 5.2 yards per carry. I mean, so you had two freshman backs average over five yards per carry. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat that. You yeah. know, I mean, it's hard to expect a lot more from them. Um, and I think State's hope is, you know, you can kind of continue to build on that one-two punch. That's not even including Ricky Person, who was the starter coming into the year, and he battled injuries. I think he only played four or five games. I mean, he's another four-star guy that they had that they were going to lean on, and he just wasn't healthy all year. And and I so I think the running game, they feel like they have the pieces there to be really explosive. You know, when you're when you're averaging above five yards per carry, I mean, I, a guy who reminds me of both of them was Kenneth Walker at Wake Forest. You know, I mean, I, I watched Wake from afar, and I and I thought he just popped every time yeah. I watched Wake Forest play. He yep. just popped. I mean, it was it was one of those deals where it was like, okay, you got to get Cade Carney carries, but Kenneth Kenneth Walker just looks really good. Yep. <laughs> you know, like for me. Um, and, and so, and that's kind of how I viewed Knight and and Houston is I just thought when you watched NC State play, despite everything that was kind of faltering each game, you just saw those two freshman running backs um, really pop. And Knight in particular, you know, uh, you talked about Clemson earlier. I mean, in the Clemson game, he had 12 for 139 and a touchdown. Um, you know, I mean, that, that that's pretty good against Clemson's defense. defense. Um, and he's just a home run hitter. He's a guy who I think as he got more comfortable down the stretch, you really start to see him um, kind of settle in at that position. You know, against Louisville, 12 for 61. He was eight, had 18 for 100 again at Georgia Tech on a touchdown. And it, fought, and it ended the year with, with 12 for 56 against North Carolina. But I thought he was the guy who really kind of started to emerge there. And then you add in Houston, who's a smaller back, kind of a scat back. But I think a really good compliment tonight with his speed and, and versatility. So I think they've got a really good – rotation at running back that, that again, they're going to lean on and kind of allow them to, to, to really work Leary in this year. Yeah. And, and like I said, it, there's nothing better for a quarterback than you got, you know, a, a really deep running back stable that you can lean on to, to help, you know, take some pressure off the, off the defense and, and really take, help you take the top off the defense as well. So that's, that's good to see that they're, that they're deep at the position, especially with two young kids like that, that, that sets up for the next couple of years for sure. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet online is hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 
Now, what can we expect out of the wide receiver position? When I looked at it, it seemed to be a lot of guys with similar numbers last year. And obviously, C.J. Riley went down early. Is he poised to lead the position group now that he's healthy, or are you expecting someone else to step up and kind of be the top dog of that group? Well, I think the guys go, I think the top guy is going to be a Mecca Mezzi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he didn't have – like going into the season, a lot of people expected a Mezzi to just step right in and be – Kelvin Harmon or Jacoby Myers. I mean, there were a lot of targets that State was going to have opening up. You know, I mean, you go back to that 2018 season, you know, Harmon had 81 catches. Jacoby Myers had 92 catches. I mean, that's 173 catches up for grabs. I mean, you know, that's probably over 200 targets that that were available in NC State's offense. And, and Amezi was the number three guy that year. I mean, he had 53 catches that year, which was top 15 in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the expectation was – he was just going to blow up, right? I mean, because you had so much opportunity available to him. But you kind of talked about it first. I mean, you lose Ryan Finley. And it's funny. I, I think Ryan Finley is probably going to go down as one of the more underappreciated players at NC State because a lot of NC State fans don't seem high on Finley. But when you look at his numbers, I mean, he finished his career Easy. number one at NC State in, in completion percentage. And he's number three all time in the ACC in passing yards. And he only played three seasons. And so you replace him and you go to a new quarterback. I mean, you you know it at Wake Forest. Yeah. It, it, things don't always continue to roll roll right along, right? No way. And so I think there's this misconception among the fan base at, at all schools where it's like, okay, well, we've got this four-star guy here or we've got this guy here who played. Everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. It's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And I think State kind of saw that last year. And really I thought the guy who – who suffered from that the most was a Mezzi because I think he's a real, he's a talented receiver, man. He's really good. And he just didn't have the opportunity that, that, that he probably expected to have. And so now again, the other part of that with him was I also don't think he was ready to step up and be that number one receiver, mm-hmm. you know, and again, to go back toward to Wake Forest, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm a big guy, you know, we cover recruiting a lot at, uh, at Inside Pack Sports. And one of the guys I saw a lot of, in high school was Donovan Green. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I mean, you may not agree with me on this. I think he has a chance to be better than Sage Surratt um, eventually. Now, not next year, but eventually. I think he's going to be a star. Uh, I saw him in high school. I was waiting on him to kind of pop a little bit at Wake. It happened late in the season. Mm -hmm. And and I think he's going to be a star. But the thing I think that's going to – that I think will help him is – Having Surratt return, he has this year now to where he doesn't have to automatically be the guy right away, yep. right? And, and and he can kind of ease himself into that where Harmon, I mean, where uh, Amezi never really had that. It was kind of like you had Jacoby Myers, you had Kelvin Harmon, and Amezi just was that third guy who a lot of defenses weren't really geared to. They didn't really worry about, so he could kind of get some numbers. Whereas when you're kind of thrust into being that number one guy right away you know, defenses are looking to take you away. And so I don't think he was ready for that focus. And just in talking to NC State's coaches in the spring, his mentality's kind of changed to where I think they feel like he's now ready with that year under his belt of being the number one focal point. He's ready to kind of step up and have a huge year because of um, just just mentally being more prepared to handle that, that role as the number one receiver. 
Yeah, and and speaking of of receivers and and recruits and stuff, man, I I gotta say I was heartbroken when Micah Kroll picked you guys over Wake. I was holding out hope. He was probably the one four star we were we were looking yeah. at that we had a shot at, and I was like, man, that would be nice to get another stud receiver in the program. And, and he, I saw he picked NC State. And I was like, dang, that's frustrating. That was a good gift for you guys. He's a great player, and um, you're right about Donovan Green, man. He's the number one recruit Wake's ever signed to their program, so. The expectations for him are very, very high, and and when he you know showed out against Syracuse at the end of the season last year, and then did really well in the bowl game as well against Michigan State, it was just like uh, Wake fans are kind of licking their chops this year, thinking of Surratt and Green just you know putting it on putting it on defenses as a one-two combo. So excited about that. Now switching over to the defensive side, you have six you have six returning starters on defense, uh, and on a defense that gave up thirty points per game last year. What what are the expectations on defense? Now, a guy, before you go into that, a guy who stood out to me on film when I was watching was a linebacker by the name of Peyton Wilson. I yeah. liked what I saw from him. And I come to find out he was a freshman, highly recruited, which, you know, looking back at the film doesn't surprise me now. He was a guy who consistently stood out to me. Was that, was, was that the expectation going into last year, that he was going to be that well, or was that a pleasant surprise? Well, I mean, he's, just, he's a stud. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. – He's really good. Um, I, I don't think State – well, look, State – I mean, he, he was a guy who a lot of people had. I think he came in in 2018. I, I want to say Rivals 247. One of them had him the number one player in North Carolina that year. Mm-hmm. And um, he was committed to North Carolina, flipped to NC State. His senior year, he sustained a knee injury. Uh, so he missed the rest of his senior year in high school. And then I think he came into NC State, and I want to say he tweaked his knee. He tweaked his knee again, so he had to redshirt his freshman year. And so, really, there wasn't. It was kind of one of those deals where everybody knew he was supposed to be really good, but I think State wanted to to bring him along slowly because of those injuries. And so he wasn't a guy who came into the year projected to be a starter. I mean, I think State wanted to use his freshman season to kind of, um, you know, get his feet wet and really get him ready for 2020 to where you could kind of lean on him as a, um, you know, as, as a guy that you can build your, you can, I think they view him as a player they can build their defense around. Mm-hmm. And it just got to a point where it was clear he was maybe their best defensive player. You know, he finished the year number one uh, in tackles on the team. He had 69 tackles for them. And I'm talking, we're talking about a guy who, if you broke it down probably per snap, he probably just blows everybody away on their roster. I mean, cause he didn't play, he he didn't play enough to be to lead that team in tackles, mm-hmm. and 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 that's the thing with them having so many injuries. You mentioned six, you know they had six returning starters, but I bet you they've probably got fourteen guys who had to start games for them. You know, mm-hmm. and you've seen this a lot at Wake Forest. I think with Wake it was maybe the was it the twenty eighteen season where they were obliterated by injuries. Oh they just had a gosh, of, yes, um, yeah, that was brutal. And, yeah, and you and you kind of saw that where it was just kind of like. You know, maybe they only had five returning starters, kind of, and I'm, I'm doing the air quotes, right? But, mm-hmm. but like, they probably had 13 or 14 guys who started games for them. So that yep. experience really there, even though that, that quote-unquote returning starters number doesn't bear it out. And I think that's where State is defensively. Because, I mean, I'm looking at their, at their guys, and, I mean, and I get down to – and I'm talking just in terms of sheer tackles. You know, they're returning – I mean, they're returning 12 or 13 players who started games last year. Wow. You know, you get back Chris Ingram, who 
he was their top cornerback. He 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 got injured against Syracuse, which was their second ACC game. He missed the rest of the season. Their number three cornerback, um, Tayshawn Smith, got injured against Florida State. He re- he missed the rest of the season. You know, so they they're returning so many guys from injury. Where I think they feel like defensively they're going to be better just because they've got so much more experience. And I and I thought I really think teams like teams that have to go through that. They're so much better that next season. And I think that played a major role in Wake's emergence. You know, Wake battled so many injuries in 18 that allowed them to get some mm-hmm. depth that maybe otherwise they wouldn't have been able to build, yep. right? You know, if you stay healthy in 18, you don't build some of that depth you were able to build. Um, and, you know, look look at Wake. I mean, Wake, Jamie Newman emerges because um, Hartman gets injured, Yep. right? Um, yep. Because if he stays healthy in 2018 – He's still the guy. And, again, it's funny because he's the guy now, right? Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, you don't have Jamie Newman's breakout season without Sam Hartman getting hurt. Yep. And, and, I, and I think State's hope is offensively and defensively, you know, they lost so many guys. I want to say they, they lost 15 starters to injury mm-hmm. that, that it's going to make them better in 2020, and that's the case on defense. But you're right, Peyton Wilson, I think, is the guy – they're looking to lean on for that defense. And they've got some other guys. Levi Jones is a, tra- a four-star transfer from Southern Cal who sat out last season. I think they feel like he's going to be an instant starter for them at linebacker alongside Wilson. I mean, he's another guy, six foot four, 230 pounds. who can really run. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad his dad played. Robert Jones played for the Dallas Cowboys. His brother, uh, Zay Jones, is, is in the NFL now. He played at East Carolina. Yeah, uh, Just a really talented player who I think State feels like can step in and play right away. I mean, he started games at Southern Cal as a as a true freshman and a sophomore. So, you know, I think those two guys at linebacker are the, are the players who they feel like they think is going to help them kind of step up defensively. And there's a lot of room there to make up because mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, they, they I mean they gave up a lot of points last year. Yeah, I think another guy I saw transfer into the program was uh, Daniel Joseph from Penn State, correct? D- yep. Defensive end, yeah. Yep. And and he's another guy who I think they they feel like they they need you know they lost James Smith Williams I mean where they lost a lot defensively was on the D line having to replace Larell Murchison who was All ACC mm-hmm. James Smith Williams was drafted so those two guys you you know they're going to have to replace them I think that's why they went out and got Joseph from Penn State um, Ali McNeil is another four star recruit who State feels like might be their probably top draft prospect at nose guard um, he's a guy who I think is going to be a potential first, second-round pick this year. Um, he flashed a lot last season. And, and, and so, you know, I think for State, one of the things they were able to do is um, all that winning we talked about at the beginning of the podcast in mm-hmm. 17 and 18, it really allowed them to build up some some talent defensively and offensively. But, I mean, four-star guys, I mean, you know, Peyton Wilson was a highly regarded kid. Ali McNeil was a four-star recruit. Um Tayon Palmer, a four-star kid. You know, I mean, they they've just got. I think I think I think they had nine or ten four-star recruits over the last two years defensively, and the, you know that's great. But when you're playing them as freshmen and sophomores, it's not really that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to take you got to take your lumps when you go yeah. young. And yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at NC State's you know last two recruiting classes in 2018, 2019, they were 26 and 29th in the country. So you know. You know the talent is there. The potential is there. They just got to get those reps underneath them first, and sometimes that's not always pretty. But at the end of the day, you know, once they get those reps in there, you know, it's it's a lot better the next year. And I think, yeah, I think 
you know, the biggest eye opener for me was 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 doing that research and seeing a lot of that turnover, that churn, and being like, okay, like that's an aberration. They're going to be back to, I think, an eight nine win type team, um, like they were the last two years under Dern. So, you now you mentioned. NFL prospects and here at prospects 101 you know what we do is we talk a lot about prospects guys who are playing on Saturdays who could be playing on Sundays so what are who are some of the guys on the roster right now that you think have the potential to be playing on Sundays well yeah like I said I, I think Aleem McNeil is one for sure and knows I know he's getting a lot of interest he's going to be a true junior this year I wouldn't be I, I'm, I would be shocked to see him go pro early uh, I think he's a player capable of doing that I mean if he hits what the expectation is for him. I mean, he's the prototypical nose. I mean, he was a guy who came to NC State as a six foot two, two 265 pound linebacker. He played linebacker at Sanderson wow. and Raleigh, and he's now a 315 pound nose. <laughs> and I mean, he can run, you know, he's probably running four eight four nine at 315 pounds. Wow. I mean, he's going to go to the combine and, and just blow things away. And if you watch tape, I mean, you can, you can check him out on Twitter. I mean, a lot of these NFL draft guys are starting to break him down mm-hmm. just because, you know, they, they were going through looking at Larell Murchison. They were looking at James Smith-Williams. And then you would see the you know, 29 just kind of pop. So he, he's a guy who I think it, def- defensively is, is certainly going to be there. Peyton Wilson, you mentioned him. I mean, he has a redshirt sophomore this year. He will be draft eligible. I mean, I think he's capable of having a huge year, yeah. you know, to where I wouldn't be surprised if he left. Um, offensively, Kerry Angelon at tight end. You know, I think he's going to be one to watch. You know, he's six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound tight end, great hands. Wow. Um, he he's the player who was a four star recruit. He's another guy who transferred to NC State out of Southern Cal. He led the team last year in in touchdown catches, and um, you know, I think he he'll have an expanded role this season. As well, um, Amezi, we talked about him. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's got some offense, some some upside. You know, I think a lot of the more the more um, I think draftable guys that are in those younger classes that you that you referenced early. You know, we talked about Zonovan Knight, um, mm-hmm. running back. I mean, State's done a really good job. You know, you go back the last four years, Matt Days in 2016, you had Naheem Hines and and Jalen Samuels in 2017. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys were drafted at running back. And and I think Zonovan Knight is probably that next guy who State feels like can be can be drafted at, at running back. So they have they have multiple players, but if I had to pick one that I feel the most confident about, it would be Aleem McNeil, just because I think it knows with his athletic upside. I mean, he he's going to be a guy that's going to be a high draft pick, a first second round pick, in my opinion. Fantastic! I'm, that's definitely someone I'm going to have to keep an eye on throughout the season. I love talking to you know, fans of other schools and talking about their prospects because it just allows me to expand my horizon at, at maybe, you know, stuff I might not see if I'm not looking at game tape versus just watching it on TV. So I'll definitely keep an eye on McKnight for sure and the rest of the guys. Now, as we kind of wrap up, uh, what, what is your prediction on the ACC this year and where does NC State fit in the ACC best case scenario? Man, you know, well, look, you know what covering Wake, I mean, we kind of get the short end of the stick being <laughs> in the Clemson, right? I mean, yeah. like – I love how I've got a bunch of buddies, man, who are Carolina fans, and they try and tell me about oh. how they're coastal champs. And I'm like, look, come on, man. You know, you're in you're in the JV division, yes. brother. Yes. You know, um, like don't don't come at me with that that coastal stuff. I don't want to hear that. I mean, like it, it's it's borderline unfair, um, but it's the you know it's the nature it's the nature of the beast, right? I mean, it, it, you, you, to win the Atlantic, you got to go through Clemson. 
And so I think that's going to be tough for anybody right now. I mean, they're clicking. I will say, though, um, I think Clemson's lost a lot from last year. You know, they lost T. Higgins. They lost a lot defensively. Uh, the Justin Ross injury is big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's going to be out for the season. I really wonder about them offensively. I mean, they're, they're going to rely on a lot of young players at receiver. And, again, receiver, I think, is a position where you can play early and be successful. They have Etienne back. Obviously, they've got Trevor Lawrence. I'm not telling you they're not going to win the, the ACC because I think everybody's going to pick them too. But yeah. I do think they can be had. I mean, I think the question, though, is when I look at a lot of these teams in the league, in the division, I just don't see somebody that definitively I feel like um, can challenge them. You know, I think Louisville might be a trendy pick just because of the success they had last year, but I'm, I'm still not sold on them defensively. You know, I think Wake um, – I think Wake has some question marks. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, to me, I thought what made – and, just, again, this is from talking also to some of State's coaches game week – I think what made Wake so good last year was Newman's dual threat ability. Mm-hmm. He he can throw the football, but man, it's so tough when the quarterback on third and four can just run. Yep. Right. I mean, it's just tough. It's tough to defend. It it this it's a completely different element. You see that at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, just there's so much you got to defend, and I just don't know if Hartman has that ability. Like, I don't know if he's the run the runner that Newman is to where. When you're playing Wake now, you can kind of defend them a little differently if you're not as worried about mm-hmm. quarterback to run. Yep. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big element that Wake's going to have to overcome. I still wonder about their overall depth, too. You know, um, Hartman goes down because they do run him some. I, I, I guess I'm going to ask you this. I assume they're going to still run him some, right? I mean, he's going to still have to run it some. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll definitely have some RPO design runs in there and, and... – and he's gonna he's a he's more mobile than maybe he looks, but yeah, he's he's definitely not the threat Newman was on the ground. I think he does just enough on the ground to where he can kind of maybe freeze an end or at least give him a little bit of a doubt uh, that he could take he could pull it and take it around the corner. But it, you're gonna see a different offense for sure. They're not gonna have that. I don't I don't think anyway that they're gonna have that long mesh point that they had last year where it felt like Jamie Newman and the running back almost like. We're just kind of shuffling yeah. their feet until they made the read. Uh, I don't see that being the case for um, Wake this year. But also, Sam Hartman's more of a gunslinger. He's a natural thrower. Like, that dude loves to throw the ball. So I, I think they're definitely going to open it up, especially with, with Surratt and Green at, at the wide receiver position. I, and then you, you've got Taylor Moran and a couple other guys who are who are going to start. Gruel, I mean, the Gruel kid, yep. um, you know, I saw him in high school. But but and so I think if you're defending Wake, you're probably now you you feel a little com- more comfortable yep. playing more coverage. Yep. You know, um, whereas I, but I, I think that's my word. That would be my concern with Wake is just uh, how that element comes out. And then I think I mean BC, Syracuse, you know, NC State, they're kind of we'll see. I mean I think NC State's got some upside because of those injuries we talked about. But I mean it's until I see it at quarterback. I mean for me, man. I'll say it all time and time again. I don't care what team you are. You better have a quarterback. Yep. You better have a quarterback. And until I see you have one, I'm not picking you to win anything. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I'm not picking you to win anything. So NC State can tell me they think Devin Leary's better until I see it. I'm not picking them to be a contender in the, in the Atlantic. And, um, yeah. you know, I think that's the same with what's going on at BC. Mm-hmm. You know, case in point, 
Syracuse. I think Syracuse is a perfect example. They thought everything was going to just continue to roll right along, replacing Eric Dungy with Tommy DeVito. Yep. And it, did, it didn't happen because DeVito couldn't run in that offense. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, you know, he's a really good passer, but he couldn't handle it. They had no offensive line. They, they struggled. So, you know, I think State has some upside, but I think clearly you've got Clemson. And then in the Coastal, who knows, you know, I mean – I would imagine Miami or Virginia Tech would be my pick. I know a lot of people are going to pick North Carolina, but look, man, I cover NC State. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and, and honestly, it's also because I think Carolina has some flaws there that that um they were kind of able to mask a little bit last year with, I just think, a ridiculous season that I, I'd be surprised if they duplicate it. I mean, you know how it is. I mean, a quarterback, when you have a guy like Sam Howell, Come on, come on, and I don't know what he threw for thirty-four touchdowns and six interceptions. Is he? There's got to be some regression there. You know, yeah. we saw regression from Trevor Lawrence last year. We saw regression from uh, the kid at Virginia. Um, his numbers dropped, and I just wonder if Carolina's going to just have a dip there to where you know they're not going to be there. I mean, I would go with Virginia Tech or Miami just because I feel they're more stable. Yeah, one of my good friends and actually co-host on this pod, uh, Brandon Pastel, is a huge Virginia Tech fan. I mean, they return. I think. 19 starters or something ridiculous and 10 starters on defense. So I, yeah, I I think Virginia tech's probably the favorite as much as as much as Virginia tech and and UNC are by far my two least favorite teams. Uh, So as much as it pains me to say that, I think they're probably the favorite unless, unless Derek King, you know, really shows his 2018 season wasn't an aberration. Um, you know, I'm a little concerned with De'Aaron King and his looking at his P5 statistics when he was at Houston, when he played P5 teams, they weren't right. necessarily the greatest. So I'm kind of in wait and see mode. But, you know, if De'Aaron King and Quincy Roche turn out to be the transfers everybody thinks they're going to be, then, yeah, Miami could very well be the representative of the Coastal. But I believe that when I see it. Miami's defense is going to be ridiculous. Like, yeah. And that's kind of my thing with Carolina is – they had to win a lot of shootouts last year, and I don't think they've gotten better defensively. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're gonna Miami's Miami's defense is going to be really good if they if King is even close to what people expect. I mean, I think I think Miami's going to win the, you know, it's going to be them or Virginia Tech in my opinion. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I think that I think that's a concern is is can King take that step and be just as good in the Atlantic? Because I guess the other counter argument to that would be. Playing in Miami, he's probably got better guys around him, and he's more prepared to play P5 teams than he was at Houston. That's true. Yeah. Now, I, well, I guess we can commiserate a little bit together here since we both share a hatred for uh, UNC. Did you see Tony Grimes committed to UNC yesterday? I did, yep. Uh, I was bummed about that, man. I was really hoping he was going to go to Ohio State. I didn't want to see him in the ACC. He's a guy who's local to where I live. Um, right. He's, he's about an hour down the road uh, at Virginia Beach, and – and there was talks about him reclassifying to this year's class because he can graduate in August technically if he takes a class uh, because there's there's a lot of rumors that uh, swirl around that there probably there probably isn't going to be a 2020 high school football season here in Virginia because the kids are all starting back virtually virtually at least to start the the 2020 school year around here in high school. So, but I was, I was kind of bummed to see that, man. I mean, it's always good to get talent in the ACC, you know, when it comes to bowl season, I like to see the ACC do well minus tech and UNC, but um, it, you know, it was still kind of a bummer to see that. That was like, dang, man, I wish, I wish you would have gone somewhere outside the conference. Well, you know, I, I, look, that's a big pickup for North Carolina. Um, but man, I'm telling you from covering recruiting now, almost 20 years, 
that the thing I've realized is until someone does it, you yeah. never know. If they're, you never know. You just never know. I mean, and, you know, you don't you, – you look at Miami and Florida State the last, what, five to ten years. I mean, uh, especially Miami. I mean, Miami's signing top 15, 20 classes mm-hmm. every year. They continue to fire coaches. Yep. So, you know, I, like – I think Tony Grimes is good on is really good on paper, um, but man, we, we I've seen North Carolina sign. I, I think I saw a stat where over the last twenty years, UNC has out recruited NC State. I think eighteen of those twenty seasons, and I'd imagine for Wake Forest is probably you, you what you say twenty out of twenty, right? Yeah, yeah, and just just recruiting rankings. Yeah, but. I think over that same period, State and Wake have, have beaten, have defeated mm-hmm. North Carolina more than, than the than the counter. So, yep. you know, I mean, it, it, it's still going to come down to can they win games? And, and uh, Carolina's got it rolling right now on the recruiting trail, but those things can change quickly. Yep. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You got to develop players. I mean, look at look at FSU for example. Those guys yeah. are top twenty recruiters every year, and sometimes even top ten for the most part. And and if you can't develop your players, it doesn't matter. If you, yeah, so I'm with you. I, I think it's a little. I, I, I'm ner- I'm nervous about it because it's it's UNC and and you, you always hear you always hear about basketball when it comes to UNC and you really can't talk too much trash about it. But football is kind of the one thing I could talk trash about because we've consistently been pretty decent uh, against USC at least e- or UNC at least even or better. But but I don't want to see them get good at football either because I feel like they might be a sleeping giant, which is a bummer. But well, look, James, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on. Why don't you let everybody know uh, where they can find you on social media, where they can uh, digest more of your content, you know, you talk about your website. Where can our fans learn more about NC State and, and, and what you're doing? Yeah, you know, we um, I started up Inside Pack Sports in 2017, and you can find us at InsidePackSports.com. We cover all NC State athletics, football, basketball, Baseball, women's ba- basketball, pretty much everything. Um, I'm on Twitter at Inside Pack Sport. That's without an S at the end, so mm-hmm. similar name. I don't know if it was taken or what. I can't remember, <laughs> but <laughs> I just don't have the S at the end of it. Um, so if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me there. But yeah, man. I mean, we try and we try and cover all aspects of it. I mean, we do a lot of in-season coverage in terms of breaking down film and and different things like that of the team. But we also cover recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think recruiting is great to follow just because it helps me so much in terms of being familiar with a lot of these other programs. Like I feel like I know a lot about Wake, for instance, just because of, mm-hmm. of just covering some of the guys in recruiting. And so, you know, I think um, anybody that's looking to really get into recruiting coverage, you can follow a lot of it at our website. We do a lot of North Carolina-specific, like high school coverage. We do a top 50 rankings of the top prospects in the state. So it's not just related to NC State. Um, we do a lot of, you know, local coverage as well on, on football recruiting. Yeah, and and um, I know the October 31st game at NC Wake is where Wake plays Halloween night. Uh, you know, if, if the season goes off like normal and nobody has a crystal ball, so we're not really sure what's going to happen. But if, that, if that's undeterred or it happens, I'll definitely be down there, man. So I, I, I for sure like to meet up in person and, and – Maybe we'll shoot something together and, and work on some more stuff down the road for sure. Yeah, let's do it, man. And, and like I said, I think NC State, you know, at some point they got to get Wake back, right? You know I mean? Yep. It's been kind of like, what is it, three in a row for Wake Forest? I think after State had won three in a row. So, you know, it's 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 time for NC State to, to get one against Wake. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, can't, I still I, – man, I'm telling you, I still can't believe they didn't win that game 
in 2018. Oh, that Thursday night game. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I tell people, I think that's the only game under Dave Dorn they've lost when they were up double digits in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were leading that game by 10 with, I want to say, maybe seven, eight minutes to go. And they, they lost that game. I mean, credit Wake, they made every play down the stretch. You know, that was Jamie Newman's breakout game. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't believe – like, that game there is the one for me under Dave Dorn that I can't believe NC State was, wasn't able to win. I'm sure you've got games like that. For, oh, yeah. Oh, Louisville and Syracuse last year still leave me heartburn because I just think about, like, what could have been if we'd have won. I mean, Louisville give, – or they give up 44 yards of return to Louisville and kickoffs all night. They allow a touchdown back uh, – a return touchdown. I mean, special teams, both games against Syracuse and Louisville just absolutely killed us. And I just think if we could have had a kickoff specials, which is funny because Wake's biggest – biggest addition this year might be Jack Crane, a kickoff specialist from Wazoo grad transfer. And, and if we have him last year, we got two more wins. Like that's crazy to think about. And so that gives me heartburn too, man. But, and from the other side of the spectrum on that Thursday night game against NC state, that was the game that really propelled us into being bowl eligible that year. We kind of, we we got a little run after that. And, and, and if we don't win that game, we don't make a bowl that season. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe Clawson seats a little hot. Yeah. I doubt it. I mean, I'm probably not, but I mean, I think, I think though, like you, you talked about a Louisville game. I can't remember, man, I can't remember who else was playing. It was a big game that night and oh, yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine and it might've been like, it was like Alabama LSU, something like that. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was telling, he was like, what do you think? What do you think of the Alabama LSU game? And I'm like, man, I'm watching Louisville Wake. <laughs> you know I mean? This game was cra- That game was crazy. It was like, Every possession, each team was just going down and scoring. I mean, I, you know, it was a track meet. Yeah, I, I, you know, and those are the games you look back on. Because, I mean, State's got a similar deal, right? You talked about that game in 2018. I mean, if you're Dave Doran, you know, you win nine games that year. Mm-hmm. And you're telling yourself, like, if we beat Wake that game, that, that season, we win ten games. Which, I mean, at NC State, I mean, that's a hell of an accomplishment, you know, to win deal. ten games. Yeah, yeah and so – yeah, I mean, you look at every year, man. There's games like that, and and I think I think that's kind of where both of these programs are. They've got to start winning, you know, more if not all of those games to really have the special type seasons you're looking for as a fan. Absolutely. Well, James, uh, on behalf of our fans, I know we thank you for your in depth uh, preview in the NC State, man, and and we'll definitely get you on the program as we as we get on down the road here once the season gets going. Because you know, as objective as we are, we're ACC guys at heart, so. We'll uh, look forward to having you on again, man, and thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Anytime, just give me a call. Thanks, James. Have a good one. All right. What's up, football fans? This is Pastel from Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods. Listen to us weekly on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Hit the subscribe button and make sure you leave us a five-star review today.